Hello, everybody. George again. Um, just to explain that you're now about to hear the second part of Colin's huge trip across Germany, um, which he did the previous weekend. Um, as I explained at the start of the last podcast, we didn't actually know how long this was going to go on for, and it did end up going off quite a while. Um, so we've brought we've broken it down into two parts. You're now about to hear um, about his time in Mutterglabach and in Bochum. Um, so yeah, just to once again apologize for the kind of abrupt way in which we we start this episode, not even giving you time to uh, you know strap yourselves in, get a cup of tea or, or a cold lager. Um, but nonetheless, apologies once more and enjoy the podcast. Paul Lambert und Karl-Heinz Riedle 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. That was the end of day two of, of, of the gallivanting. Um, you took you took Simon back with you. Um, and then day three, you're still staying in Dusseldorf at this point, or have you, have you uh, changed HQ? Still in Dusseldorf. Uh, we didn't, didn't follow Simon's lead, who was staying in Duisburg. Uh, didn't, didn't take up that option. Uh, he yeah. was staying with his friend, to be fair. But, A collective uh, sigh. You, for sigh, as you when you heard yeah, that, yeah, slight some sympathy as he got off the, got yeah, off the yeah, train and yeah, between legs, looking at the posh boys going to Dusseldorf. Reminds me, reminds me of when I used to travel up to uni with my pal who went to uni in Paisley and I went to uni in Glasgow. <laughs> he would get off at Paisley Gilmer Street and I would wave at him to the platform as I headed to the the bright lights, um, University of Strathclyde as he went to the University of the West of Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the closest, probably the best Scottish comparison I could make. Um, no, yeah, not not something I know anything about. But uh, seems like seems like you're you're, you're well versed in in, uh, in it goes the, the the nicer of of, of two possible parts. Um, let me say that um, it's 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 almost like when I get to, when me, me and um, me and Roy live a minute and a half away from each other, and uh, we're walking back. And he stops and gives me a, gives me a hug at my door, and I get to go into my flat, and uh, he gets to go into his flat. And I know where I'd rather be. Anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, day three brought us to um, Mönchengladbach, if not if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Yes, it Gladbach. I believe from my last time I was in Mönchengladbach, I believe Mönchengladbach is um, twinned, not not the club. Um, Borussia Mönchengladbach is. I believe that um, Mönchengladbach, the city, is twinned with Bradford. Oh, is <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm fairly sure that's that's um, that's correct. And you know, let's is Bradford and English circles not sort of draw the same sort of reaction as Duisburg does in German. It's, it's a bit of a Simon, yeah. It's a bit of a <laughs> it's it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You could say that. Um, yeah, Bradford. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a song about Bradford, um, but we it doesn't matter because it's not we're, we're, we're not about Bradford on this podcast. We're talking about Munchen Gladbach. Yep, yeah. it's actually um, Munchen Gladbach is actually 
actually is yeah so it's twinned with bradford and um and thurrock in essex which is, which is actually also not too far away from where i live um but yeah so um aside aside from that um short um yeah bradford related uh chat there um you arrived in munchagladbach i i've been to munchagladbach um there's a very big football team there um called Borussia Mönchengladbach, VfL Borussia Mönchengladbach, 1900. Um, you've, I see you've got a scarf of them just behind, just behind your left ear um, right now. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't the 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 football that you immediately went to, was it? Um, you you went it on was not. somewhat of a um, historical um, time trail, should I say? Um, you went back in time to the uh, Bulkenberg. Um, well, the book about Stadion. Well, more, more, more of a historical trail than even you know, because my friend of the pod, Peter, who is with us, has uh, his dad used to live in Munchenbach as a boy. He was part of a military family, and obviously the the old army barracks, the, the Ayrshire barracks, as you well know, uh, yes. George, <laughs> and Munchenbach. Um, so he used to live there. So he had two addresses in Munchenbach, so he went to a place called Danzigerstrasse, mm-hmm. which we got the bus from, from the Hauptbahnhof, and managed to, to see the street there, take a few pictures there so that Peter could show his dad when he went home. And from there, it was about a 15-minute walk to the, the old Buckelberg Stadion site. Uh, and we recovered it really last week with, with Fergal being on, but it's just... I just think it's brilliant that they've managed to preserve a part of what, what was a such an iconic German football stadium, and it was as many as many things happened during the trip as we were approaching. It started bucketing down with rain, which spoiled the mood a wee bit. Um, it dried it dried off quite fittingly as we were walking through onto the terrace. The sun came out and managed to get a few pictures. You know. The old, the old terraces there. A few people walking their dogs, probably thinking, "Oh no, here comes another bunch of football tourists." Yeah. But the the Munchenbach flag is there. Uh, the the old Nord Tribuna is there, and it was good. It was good to be there, and it, it definitely seems like a, a far better, far better location than the new stadium is. We'll, we'll get onto that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, two things. Um... The I, I I actually sent a video into our group at the time um, when I was um, going to the Borussia Park myself. I found myself in somewhat of a haze um, as I I thought, hold on, my my two worlds are are colliding here. You you walk um you get off um one of the, one of the bus stops. They don't have trams in Munchengladbach. Um, well, at least they didn't when I was there, which was about six weeks ago. Unless they, <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't know you. Know. <laughs> yeah, no, they still don't. Um, they only got buses. I actually um, was led to the um, stadium by um, um, a, a few lads who played for the Borussia Mönchengladbach under eleven side. Um, who uh, they were at the bus stop by the Hauptbahnhof, and I thought, all right, how do I locate how the bus to get to the stadium? And I saw these four four boys, four wee boys um, at the bus stop. I thought, and they were all in, in full Gladbach like, tracksuits. I thought, either these lads are really keen or they're definitely going to Borussia Park. But it, but it's awesome. And I, I, I didn't go with them. Might have been a bit weird. But um, yeah, they'd <laughs> so 
I, I didn't also didn't didn't come up in conversation to uh, tell them about the pods. They won't be listening to this. Um, but yeah, as I got off um, walking to the stadium, you're presented with a left or right. Right goes to the Borussia Park, and then I'm thinking right or left. I look to my left, and I see yeah, Airship Barracks. I thought you got the GFP coming at me from from one side. You got bloody work and um, GFP related things coming in from the other. It was really really quite the uh, the juxtaposition I found myself in. But uh, you, but then you went on to explain to me. Um, this, all, this is all tying in now that that your friend Peter's dad used to live there. Um, so they, so I, I, I thought I thought for once, Colin, I was going to be able to surprise you with some uh, some 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 interesting trivia. Um, but um, no, yeah, as as per usual, you uh, you had an answer for me. You, you, you knew it already. Your um, yeah, your your omniscience um, yeah, triumphed over my 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 silly ways uh, as per usual. But um, the Birkenberg Stadion it sounds very good. I throughout the conversation last week, um, I mentioned to you that um, if you are on the Schalke Miler, which is the mile that leads. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's longer than a mile now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 road that leads to um, the Veltins Arena on the the bottom of that on the left, if you walk towards the the stadium, is the old um, uh, Schalke Stadium, um, which is pretty much like um, still still in use. Uh, the, the the Park Stadion, it's not, it's not still in use, but it's it's still there. Um, it's not like. Um, Maybe it is still in use as like an amateur stadium. I, I think the I think the second team still play there, or if not the second team, then maybe youth teams. I think it's not all still. It's not still remain. It, it, it doesn't all remain, but part of one of the stands alongside the pitch. I think yeah. the terrace is there or something. Well, it says here. Been, yeah, it says here that I went to show, but, that um, Michael Jackson actually performed um, in his during his. Um, 1988 and 1997 um, tour of, of of Germany um, at the stadium, and it was also um, it was also host during the 1974 World Cup to Yugoslavia beating Zaire nine nil, biggest ever win in the World Cup. But it is no longer used for um, for, for major events, um, which which is interesting to know that the uh, last um, fixture there was um, of course between. Um, Schalke and Unterhaching, um, capacity of sixty-five thousand. That's that's kind of interesting. The Schalke Milo is like a road I've never seen before. Um, I know we're not talking about Schalke here, but uh, it's it's everything on that road as you approach the stadium is like is like shops that have nothing to do with Schalke that are Schalke theme. Yeah, but I've been on the been on the tram down it, and yeah, it's just loads of like apartment blocks and everything with Schalke stuff like blue. It's yeah, no, it's it's it, it's fairly fairly good to Yeah, if if you are in, if you find yourself in Gelsenkirchen um, and not going to a Schalke game, um, which would seem quite unlikely, but I definitely recommend that. But um, <laughs> going back to what we were actually talking about, um, the Bokerbog Stadion was. It, do you feel a sort of a, a sort of sense of, of history as you were there? I mean, uh, Fergus obviously detailed it very well last time, but do you sort of feel a, a sense of what had gone before? Definitely, I don't know. You just got the sense. Is I knew I was looking at the direction of my phone, so I knew we were getting close to the ground. And I remember, I remember seeing this really wide main road near the ground, and I was like, I said to the other boys, "I bet you this, there's loads of bother on this street." I know something about like big wide grounds near football. 
big wide roads near football grounds make me think of like trouble. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see there being yeah there have been bother on this. So it definitely I don't know, it seemed it made it seem more old school, like more of a built up area rather than Borussia Park, which is right in the outskirts of the, the ground. Yeah. And yeah. you pass through a housing estate. Yeah, it's weird. Like Fergal mentioned, it's really like it was really like a, a upmarket place, uh, lots of expensive houses, like quite newish looking houses, um, which wouldn't have been there obviously when when Buckleberg was standing was stand, standing. Certainly not the ones that are currently where the pitch was. Obviously they weren't there. Yeah. But when you you go onto the terrace you definitely it's all overgrown now, but you, you do get a sense of sense of history. And it's just a, a shame really that it wasn't a ground that was still in operation like where we've been because I mean it isn't that long ago it was still being used it was mm. 2004 I think the Russia Park was built so in our lifetime it has been used for football a proper old school ground um, so it's a shame that we sort of just missed that um, but as I said it was it was, a, it was a really good experience and it, it's something I would recommend if anyone is in München Gladbach. So a summer with Gelsenkirchen. I'm sure if you're there, you're probably not going to be there for any other reason apart from football. Um, so if you, if you got, like, it was well set up for us. We had the Saturday evening game of München Gladbach, so plenty of times during the day to, to go out to Buckleberg's site and take a few pictures. So I would recommend that. And it's only about it's about a ten-minute bus back into the city centre, because so it doesn't take doesn't take much time out of your day at all, really. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's very interesting looking. Uh, yeah, it's very 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 interesting um, piece of piece of German football history. Um, one more fact on the on the on the Park Stadion, going back to Schalke, is that the um the the North Stand, which you um, mentioned, has been uh, uh, demolished. Um, the uh, the sort of rubble for that was actually used um, to build to help um, build the um, Erzgebirge Stadion um, in uh, in yeah in our um, our who have uh, tonight um, just sacked um, Timo Rost after after nine games of our win what a terrible start to the Drizzliga um, it was all kicking off in in, in our at the moment um, despite despite help from uh, from the Park Stadion in their stadium. Um, but um, no, you weren't. You weren't as, as as nice as the Bokerberg was. You were you were there for for um, Borussia Mönchengladbach against um, um, RB Leipzig, um, which, given that to, to kind of actually bring it back to the Bundesliga, which we we used to talk to, we used to talk about many moons ago. Um, I thought that you know, given um, Leipzig's uh, kind of pretty pretty dominant performance against um, Dortmund the week before. Um, and Gladbach, you never really know what to what to expect from them. Um, you know, as rumours that um, Vierkos isn't too happy as a sporting director there and, and things. And, um, you know, still feel like it's more, they're not quite reaching their potential. I kind of thought this game, Leipzig probably would have gone at this um, game as as favourites to be honest, despite despite being the away side, um, but um, I think from from pretty much the first minute, um, Leipzig, you know, they 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 did lose two nil um, in the Bernabeu um, during the week, uh, but they rotated pretty heavily to be honest. Um, the left team of Van on the bench to start with, 
Um, Diallo um, drops the bench as well. Um, but yes, yeah, so they, 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 they just appeared very tired, very, um, I don't know, they're, they're, they're lacking the kind of energy that you come to expect from Leipzig. I mean, Marco Rosa, obviously not had the, the most ideal start going to his ex side in the first game in BFB, um, and then going back to his uh, other ex side um, in, yeah, in, the, uh, in, in the second game uh, in Gladbach. So if, if we actually talk about the, the actual football um, for, for one second, Colin, as this was a Bundesliga game, how, how did you, I mean, we, we also kind of similarly surprised at how, how poor um, Leipzig were and how, how good Gladbach were. Honestly, I thought that this was going to be the game that Vanshey would have. Vanshey was a game I thought this would be. It all comes back to Vanshey. <laughs> the Vanshey experience was what I thought this would be like a disappointing away win, the home team not scoring. Uh, I honestly expect to see a, a 2 0 away win, but especially with Gladbach recently. I mean, they made, they made a good start to the season in terms of results, but I felt that from their performances, they were quite lucky. And then they sort of tailed off a wee bit. They've been struggling to score in recent weeks. And I thought they would do so again against Leipzig, but they, I mean, they were, they were firing. Jonas Hoffman getting a double. Could have easily got a hat-trick. He had a couple of chances to get a yeah, third he goal. Have, he could have had four. Yeah. I think it was kind of, he, he kind of seemed a bit, yeah, it seemed he was getting quite unlucky at the end to, to actually not, yeah. get, not get his hat trick. A lot of really good individual Gladbach performances, though. I mean, like Christoph Kramer seemed to be playing quite a more advanced role, which you wouldn't really expect from him, but he seemed to play quite well. Turan was impressive. Doesn't didn't score. I mean, can be a bit of a Strangely, in terms of his finishing, uh, I feel like I noticed that a lot when I was there. But see the amount of times he dives and just rolls about when there's times that he, he could sort of carry on and try and score. A couple of times he went down mm. and wasn't given a foul, where a, a, another striker would have maybe sort of carried on. Um, but he, he did have really good build up play. The guy next to me, actually, a German guy who was sitting next to me, asked me if uh, Turan was German which was a bit strange. He's like, number 10, is, is he German? I was like, uh, no, French, Frank uh, Reich. And he was like, oh, right. Then he does that sort of um, clenching biceps, like Hulk Hogan, <laughs> uh, to say, oh, he's really strong. And I was like, yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So was, that was weird. Because yeah. <laughs> in the start of this game, that's the same guy that pointed over to the Leipzig fans said, is that the Leipzig fans? I was like, yeah. I don't think don't think he really knew what was going on but was it wasn't was he was it <laughs> German Roy with uh, a grey hair blank maybe um, yeah no it was I mean um, it, it was a very strange game actually and like you mentioned Christoph Kramer playing as a 10 um, I watched um Daniel Farker was talking about this. Um, obviously, Daniel Farker, formerly of um, SPL Lipstadt, was talking about, um, he was asked about Kramer playing in like, the number 10 role. And he said, he was saying, I think you can do it. Obviously, they've had a few injuries and stuff um, in terms of um, like the players on the bench. They got uh, Hannes Wolf, um, Liner, but then, yeah, not really too many, too many options coming off the bench at the minute. Um, so, um, 
yeah, he was um, he was asked about that. Hannes Wolf, sorry, just to mention that, came on for four minutes. So it was quite funny um, before getting injured again. Um, but um, he was asked about what Christoph Kramer playing in the 10. And he said, yeah, well, I spoke to him in training, said I think he can do it. Um, have you ever like played sort of in the number 10 role position like before? And he was like, yeah, I have done. He said, oh, when was the last time you played in the 10? He said, oh, the 2014 World Cup final, <laughs> which, uh, which I thought was, was quite, quite a decent answer to be able to give from that. And Crystal Kramer is obviously, obviously, he's obviously capable. And I think it was, uh, um, I considering think- he played, played centre, played him at centre back last week against Freiburg. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't, I, I played that injured or, had to go off and he had he fell down. Well, I, don't know, I think it was because uh, Itakura was suspended. Um, yeah. So he held in a centre back. So to go from that to filling in, fill in as a 10 in the next game is pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. So I never yeah. thought he's been a very technical player either. Yeah. I think, yeah, like well, back in the days when we actually used to talk about football, I remember I made this point that if like Hoffman, Tulam, Stindl um, include play, player in that as well. Um, we didn't, it didn't play, but it, um, if they can all play well together, kind of like they did today, I think Gladbach can achieve a lot higher than they have done um, in the in the last uh, sort of few years. And, and with um, Julian Weigl now, who I thought had a really good game, um, and Manu Kone as well, who looks like a very decent uh, French under twenty one. Um, I think yeah, Glad- Gladbach really should be um, g- given how crazy that the, the league table is at the moment this season. Gabba should be looking to really challenge. They can beat beat a team like Leipzig um, 3-0 at home. Yeah, Leipzig with uh yeah, not not uh, not the best return for um for um Marco Rosa on his uh, yeah, going back to another one of his ex sides in uh, Gladbach. But um on that topic, I was gonna ask sort of the, the fallout from this game. Obviously, um yeah, Leipzig is kind of mixed bag this season. But the fallout from this game was um, that I think it was in the 24th minute, referee threatened to um, suspend the game. Um, obviously, there's a few there's a context to explain here. So not just Marco Rosa going back to um, Gladbach in this game, but um, at the time there was rumours, which were yesterday confirmed, yesterday being Monday, um, about uh, Max Eber, former sporting director at Borussia Mönchengladbach, who was kind of like... The embodiment of Gladbach kind of brought them, yeah, yeah, a huge distance um, on on us in a sporting way. Um, he um, left his position in uh, December of last year, I believe it was, um, citing kind of mental exhaustion, um, and that he's kind of fallen out of the game, uh, and that yeah, he's, he he can't work in football anymore, and he can't, uh, he needs to take some time for himself, his family. Um, he is obviously now um, the sporting director at RB Leipzig, um, which, yeah, I mean, the Gladbach fans were very... So the Gladbach fans had three things to be kind of angry about. The first one was Rose's return, which I remember when they played Dortmund last year, they were already pretty apoplectic about his... Um, yeah, about him leaving Gladbach um, because, yeah, he kind of left them... It's kind of they felt that as soon as he had a better offer or a better team than Gladbach to go to, he, he jumped ship, which is kind of true. Um, but they they were very hostile towards him last season, and then 
obviously now is at Leipzig. So the second reason is that they're just playing Leipzig in general. And most most teams, especially with a very established history like Gladbach, will have a pretty serious um, protest against um, against Leipzig, which which they also did. And then the third one, which the kind of the way I perceived it, um, might even kind of been more like kind of vitriolic than than the first two, is the whole thing about Max Eberl. Not because him going to Leipzig, but I feel like a lot of them seem to be of the opinion um, that he, that him stating kind of mental illness, mental um, difficulties at the time was uh, yeah, untrue and that he was actually just had problems with Gladbach. He didn't want to say, um, and now that he's taking money from Leipzig, that it's, it's, it's made that whole thing worse. I mean, we've spoken before the pod on, how we feel about, um, you know, uh, ultras being able to um, express themselves in, um, you know, through, through banners and, and, and during the game. But first of all, because they also, they kept changing their banners. They kept swapping them around um, and unveiling new ones, I noticed. Um, and it was the one, the when they um, unveiled the Huwenzorn one, which is like one of the worst insults that you can have in Germany. It's just the same one that, Dietmar Hopp had leveled at him, but in my opinion, that situation's complete, complete light and day in terms of difference. Um, did you kind of notice that the atmosphere was especially hostile? And like, did you? Did, oh, first question: Did you actually fully like understand what was what was going on the whole time? Because it was a kind of a large series of protests throughout the whole game, and I think it's probably good that Gladbach won. Otherwise, I think it probably would have turned really nasty. Yeah, I knew it would probably be quite heated because I'd seen the stories about Abel, the rumours at that point, and Marco Rosa as well. And then just in general, when Gladbach play Leipzig at home, they tend to have protests. I know from previous games that they had the sort of atmosphere boycott in the first first 19 minutes, and they did, they did on Saturday as well for the first 19 minutes. It was an atmosphere boycott, and whenever Leipzig had the ball, they would whistle. Like, not just whistle, but actually have proper whistles. So it was really loud, mm. and you, you, even, you notice it even if you're watching it on the TV. But I think because of where we were in the stadium, it was the stand, well, the, the, the block that we were in was right next to just one section along from the away fans. So it, it wasn't particularly close to the Nord Tribune or anything like that. So in terms of the actual chance or atmosphere, it didn't seem too vitriolic. But we had seen the banners, you know, like the Horns on one. Um, but in terms of actual hostility, didn't notice too much, aside from the banners. But then waiting after the game for the bus, there was loads of chance in the queues for the bus going back into the, the city centre, you know, like Marco Rosa, Estein, Horns on, like repeatedly chatted. Uh, but it, because, like, like you say, because they won the game, it seemed to be a bit more like in a jokey way. Like the fans were in quite good spirits. Obviously, it's still insulting, but it, it didn't seem hostile or anything like that. But it probably could have turned that way if the result hadn't gone the way that they wanted. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's it's, a, it's actually a very interesting discussion um, because I mean, yeah, like uh, a few weeks ago, we were obviously. Um, fully condemned um, 
um, Hansa Rostock's banner um, against um, St. Pauli um, for the right reasons, of course. Um, but then other times we've kind of said that, for example, with Dima Hop being um, yeah, crosshairs and called a hula and so on and things, that there's that that in some ways is is understandable because as we know that's not really to do with Dima Hop the person rather than it's more more aimed at the DFB but that's that's another podcast another another discussion but I mean I feel like with Wolzer I can understand I can definitely understand why they'd be annoyed about him leaving from Gladbach to the BFW because at the time Gladbach was doing really well when when he left Dortmund um, and he's obviously going to get a bad reception. Um, I think Gladbach fans are very, yeah, they're, they're, they're very, very passionate. Um, and like I said, like the thing of Leipzig doesn't make it easier. Do you think that the thing with Max Abel is went too far? To be honest, and I'm I'm normally uh, almost always on the side of the fans um, when it comes to their, them expressing, yeah, their their opinion against um, you know people, sporting directors and things. But um, I do, I, I, I do believe that. Firstly, it's not really up to them to decide how long Max Abel needs um, to uh, take his own time to to deal with his own uh, mental difficulties, um, which I, I believe to be a hundred percent genuine. And he, he really doesn't seem like the, the kind of guy that would kind of feign um, mental exhaustion. He was talking about how he wanted to see the world with his family. Um, I don't think anyone can uh, can kind of say that he's a liar for that. Um, and at the, the, the end of the day, he, he can't go. He can't go back to Gladbach, nor could he have expected to. Cause they've they've got a new sporting director, um, Viercus. Um, so they, it's not like he had the option to come back to Gladbach and choose Leipzig over them. Um, he ultimately uh, needs a job. Um, he's he, he's not like a multi uh, yeah multi billionaire. He can't just retire now and then never uh, need a job again and you know, he also probably wants to be stimulated again um, and it's you know I think in the Bundesliga we've seen that coaches and players alike don't really take too much of a kind of protest or they don't really take the, the, the lack of massive fan base of Leipzig into account as, as far as I see it when going to Leipzig because they're a club with big ambition a lot of money behind them um the the sporting policy there in terms of the, the recruitment and the academy and the facilities is world class. Um, so yeah, I don't think you can blame. I think that the 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 level of kind of vitriol towards Max Aber was 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 way over the top um, in that game. I was just interested to see how you perceived it as someone um, in in the crowd because it seemed yeah it just it just seemed it just seemed a strange atmosphere. But um, we'll move on. We'll move on to uh, the. The ratings, um, people might have thought we were going to forget those. Um, so we'll, we'll start at the stadium. Um, what well, have you? Is, is it your first time at the Borussia Park? The second time. So the first time was as an away fan with Fortuna Düsseldorf, mm-hmm. and as as that was a derby game, it was you didn't get you basically didn't get the stadium experience because we were sent to Mönchengladbach right. Bahnhof, which is another district of the city, sent to that station. Then the police sort of escorted you to a bus and then you're shuttled to the ground 
and sort of confined to the away car park until you're all let into the ground. So you basically didn't see any of the city, didn't see any of the outside of the ground. Um, mm. Although I did see on my way there a sign for Ayrshire Barracks, and that, that was when it first first <laughs> became clear to me that that, that existed in Munchenbladbach. Um, so this time it was it was good because I managed to go take a own time, actually get on Munchenbladbach, got back off this time, uh, get a bus out to the ground, um, and as I mentioned, um, Peter's dad had lived um, at Danzigerstrasse, but there was also a, a Hugo Ekenerstrasse that he also lived in uh, a later date, I think it was. Um, and that was, conveniently, that was only about a five-minute walk from the from Borussia Park. And we went to it, we, we walked to it, and it turned out it was abandoned. The buildings were still there, the houses were still there, but the... Flats and houses were absolutely covered in spray paint. All the windows were smashed. So that, that, that was a bit, of a, a bit of a disappointment, a bit of a shock. It, it did seem to be sort of, you know, the more temporary looking housing that you might get from soldiers that were set up. So it looked as if no one had lived there for years. But it was strange to see. Yeah. But anyway, undeterred, we headed on to the ground. Sorry, did we, did, 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 did we get a rating for the stadium? I'm going. I'm going to mention. I'm going to mention the stadium. Now. <laughs> it just I'm seems. Just, I'm just getting. I'm just getting to that. Just seems we're getting further away from the stadium. <laughs> no, no. I'm, at this point, I'm saying we're walking to the stadium. So oh, right. Okay, walk right. to the, no, undeterred by the abandoned street, we walked okay. to the stadium where we got a nice beer outside the ground where they have. It's like a, a beer garden thing where we've got loads of like tape, like benches set up, yeah. and it started absolutely pouring it down. Like I'm, t- I'm talking absolutely torrential, bouncing off the ground. Like if it'd gone on for much longer, well, I, I mean, it went on for ages because we we're sheltered. We started sheltering under trees, but the water started coming through. So me and Ross sat under the benches on the ground to stop the rain from hitting us. If it had gone on for much longer at that level, I would have been concerned for the game, honestly, if it had been like that from an earlier point in the day. But head into the ground and enjoyed the atmosphere. Mentioned the atmosphere boycott. There was only about 300 from Leipzig, which didn't add too much to the atmosphere either. Uh, but once the Gladbach fans kicked in, it, it was really loud, and with the team playing well, that, that helped things. Uh, not mentioned the, the banners like earlier, some of the more hostile elements of it. Uh, so in terms of the atmosphere, I would give it eight. Could have been improved with a better away support. But the stadium itself, I would give probably... I, I, do, I do really like the ground, but I just don't... The location isn't brilliant. It's way out in the west of the city. The city doesn't have any S-Bahn or tram or U-Bahn, anything like that. So it's all really bus transport. So when you come out afterwards, it's just hundreds of folk queuing for travel buses which come and go. Uh, so there must have been half an hour, 40 minutes standing yeah. there waiting and for you, a, a shuttle bus and it gets really stuck, stuck in traffic. You really can't walk it as well. Like, um, no, it's, it's miles away. Yeah, it would take like it would take like two hours, I reckon, to walk from uh, 
yeah, it's it's it, it's in terms of how close we like uh, help one off to the uh, the stadium. This is like an NA, like a, like a yeah. This would mm. just a hundred meter race. We get a DNF. Um, just yeah. I mean, it's about, it's about, I think it was about half an hour, maybe we waited for a bus and then the bus gets stuck in traffic for about half an hour as well and you're standing, you're wearing a mask because that, that was, I mean, you'll, you'll probably be more used to this because he's like, living over there and stuff, but for someone that hasn't worn masks in public transport for months, it was <laughs> having to wear them on trains, busy trains where you're standing half the time, it, it makes things a bit less less enjoyable when you go to the matches especially like the grounds that it takes ages um, from the city centre so eventually eventually got back to back home Bahnhof and back to Dusseldorf but the, the location isn't great the facilities are brilliant and everything like that but uh, it's probably it's probably just got the, the drawbacks that you expect from a modern ground I would give the ground a 7 yeah I, I like the ground. I always think it's cool with like the the, the green lights that um there has. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, terrace as well. Yeah, yeah. The um, I actually got stung by a wasp for the first time in my life um at, in the tunnel at um, at Mönchengladbach, um, which is my my overriding memory of, of being there. Um, but no, it's 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 it's, it's a very cool stadium. But I know what you mean. It's so weird. Like, it's almost like. It, it just um it is literally like kind of next to a industrial park and there's like the army barracks on the other side as well like it's super it's like and there's also like there's a there's i think that there are even like old people's homes or like it's like a hospice which is when you when you got like the army barracks on the left you turn right there these kind of like nice houses but they that you can tell that it's there i think it's old people's home so it's, it you do just feel like you're kind of it, like in the absolute middle of nowhere, and then you've got like one of the biggest stadiums in Germany. Um, it's, it's yeah, it's it's. I can yeah. see. I've seen Taylor boys. I, I can see why Gladbach, like, is not. It hasn't been picked for like European, well, uh, international tournaments and stuff like Germany's Euro twenty twenty four because it just doesn't. Don't think it really has the same infrastructure that Köln or Düsseldorf has. Um, yeah, yeah, no, there's, even there's... just an S bahn yeah nice. it's, it's actually crazy that they only have bosses there um yeah 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 it's, yeah it's, i mean it's also crazy like we think how mass the gladbach is like probably like the second historically like the second or third biggest club mm. in germany um you know and like the periods of dominance in the 70s and things um 60s and 70s and like the it's just this like kind of shithole basically <laughs> that's like really poorly connected to everything um but yeah the the, the the new stadium for sure worthy of your seven for sure um and the food and drink i really like the food and drink i would i would give it a nine actually I'd, the currywurst with bit pomace was very nice was that, I think I, was that a record a nine for food and drink a nine know. I think it's a record from from me, possibly. I'm usually like quite quite stingy with my my ratings. Usually a seven or an eight. Uh, I just I was I think burger was the beer that they sold, which was good. Uh, selling that outside the ground as well. That was really that was a big component as well. Having like stalls actually outside the ground in the massive big beer garden. Uh, 
which I suppose you could include the stadium rating as a facility. But if you can imagine if it's a really sunny day, it would be a really good place to be. So you don't have to like just go and go into the ground for your food. You can yeah. hang about for quite a while outside if yeah. you want that option. Uh, so nine, nine, I think is fair. It's a bit like how at the Volkspark Stadion, another stadium which is like a million miles away from the centre, that the because they obviously have more room around them, um, that there's like other places that you can kind of mull around in um, mm. before before the game starts, which uh, yeah, I do quite like that as well. Um, and that was that. That was that's the end of that was the end of day three. Am I right? Or is there more? The end of day three, I think we took on took upon the recommendation of um, Roy and went to the the, the Fuchsian Brewery, which was very nice uh, back in Düsseldorf. The Altstadt, a good place to be. So that, that's a that's a recommendation if you ever want some Albion in Düsseldorf, go to the the Fuchsian Brewery. Brewery, how you say? Yeah, what? Well, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Well. Yeah, not not night out recommendations from Roy. Uh, yeah, can, can can always can always lead you in a in, in a fun direction. Um, but uh, people are expecting to, to to hear me wrap up the podcast now. But no, we move on to day four. Um, you thought we'd never get there, um, as um, you took yourself to a new corner of uh, of North Rhine-Westphalen in uh to, to see uh Bochum. Um, play against um, Alster FC Cone, who you were seeing play for the second time in four days, um, which I've only just realised. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, 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 the players must have recognised you. Um, and, yeah. I was more I was more concerned about the the Cone fans recognising me through the fence from Thursday <laughs> night. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it was really it was quite weird, quite weird seeing the same team twice on one trap. The, the fact that it was basically a Almost a different team that they put out on yeah. Thursday as well because it was so heavily rotated. Yeah, um, Bochum. It was a sorry, Bochum. Yeah, yeah. Bo- Bochum, like Gladbach or Montreal Gladbach, also a bit of a weird place, isn't it? Um, like you, I know you were kind of you were kind of talking about it um, last week about um, when you were talking about. Um, was it, was that Wuppertal or Vanscheid? Vanscheid. Vanscheid, yeah, yeah, Vanscheid. But they're all it's for such a uh, like dense area. They're like super, um, like they the the what should I say the 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 boundaries like the borders between the clubs mm. are like really like well kind of yeah well defined. Um, and like around there, you've obviously yes, yeah. um, that you've got. Um, it's like five miles that's between um, Schalke, Gelsenk- sorry, Gelsenkirchen, um, Dortmund and Bochum. But then you've got Vanshai between Bochum and Gelsenkirchen, then Bordweiss-Essen, um, Oberhausen, Duisburg, um, all like massive clubs with like a, le- a minimum like 20,000 uh, seater stadiums. So it's like, yeah, crazy. Um, well, uh, yeah, also Vanshai is a bit smaller. Um but yeah, what did you think of Bochum? Bochum obviously uh, twinned um, with Sheffield. Um, believe they have a friendship with Sheffield Wednesday. Leicester, I think. I think it's Sheffield Wednesday. 
In fact, I'll go. As they, de- they definitely, they definitely do have a. They, they definitely have a friendship with Leicester. It was unhold for you. They also have a friendship with Sheffield Wednesday because I was looking at a pit of uh, Bochum and Sheffield Wednesday scarf the other day because right. they are they are twinned as cities. Um, mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, we're saying that Munchy Gladbach and Bradford. Um, in my opinion is harsh on Sheffield. Sheffield's like not that much of a dump, but uh, you know, Bochum. Um, <laughs> so talks for your day in Bochum. Obviously, it would have been sorry. It would have been a, is it a half two kick half five five right. Okay, got that wrong. I've watched half that five. So I, I think I was. We we're going to try and look about Düsseldorf, but. I mean, one, the weather was terrible. And also, I looked at the Deutsche Bahn app and I'd seen there was change between um, between Bochum and Düsseldorf cancelled. I saw something about construction work. I think that I may actually have been talking about at, the, at night, but just didn't want to take the chance. So I thought, like, well, let's just head there and we can kill time and go to the city, just get there. So we went for a train about half 12, Deutsche Bahn fashion, Train got there in time, but then it just stood was static for about half an hour with occasional announcement in German that we didn't understand. Um, Eventually left. I mean, there's people sitting sitting there with their suitcases because the first thought was just off airport. I wouldn't particularly like to be in their shoes where they're just sitting in a static train for half an hour waiting waiting to see if they can make their flight or not. Uh, But we, we had plenty of time to kill, so headed to headed to Bochum, plenty of Kulm fans on the train. Obviously, they were on that, that route from on that route comes through Düsseldorf. Uh, so headed into I hope Bahnhof, had my Bochum scarf, headed out into the front, and I noticed a group of Kulm fans at, um, with black jackets out the front of the, the station. Is this the point? They they recognised you and you. Uh... You, you you did a runner. They were like, "That's that boy who was there on Thursday." He switched alliances. There you go. Well, right. So I'd been, I was, I'd been in the toilet. I'd been in the toilet in Bochum Hauptbahnhof, and a Cologne fan was talking to me, and he starts talking to me because I was wearing a Bochum scarf, and he's, I, I, I understood that he'd asked if they had, if we had any chance of staying up, like classing our house, and I was saying no. Um, <laughs> But then he keeps asking me stuff. So eventually I was just like, oh, Shottish. He's like, oh, Shottish, Loch Lomond. And then he told he told his pals in the toilet I was Scottish. So they were like asking me stuff. So then I headed out. And then I, I came out of the train station and met like Roy and, and Ross and Peter. And I saw one of the ones that was speaking to me and he was sort of looking over. But he was in a sort of wider group of like fans of black jackets, like ultras. Started looking fans, and one of one of the ultras approached me and started speaking to me in German, and not really too friendly. And then I just didn't understand. I just kept shrugging my shoulders. And then eventually I was like English, and then he, he went gay. So we had to just walk away. I think it was it must have been like the meeting point for the current ultras or something before they were walking to the game. Um, but they're all congregating outside the front door of the Hupanhof. There's loads of police there, like bands, loads of police gathering, the Kulm fans so ended up just walking across the road. So just 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 to I think clarify, just um because to some people they might have been confused. So he what he was saying was uh gay is in go in German. 
<laughs> yes, G E H uh, Go, not not um, not the other translation. Yeah, no, because I, so, I yeah, basically told me to leave. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, that seems that's rather rather um yeah. Not not, not the best reception to their away fans, but um. But Something what, that, it seems it seems a bit strange uh, being greeted in the home team city by like an away fan, like sort of territorial. But yeah, um, but what 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 we're all here for, um, is for the character that I believe you you bumped into um <clears throat> after this. Yeah, so after being told to leave the scene by the Cullen fan, headed across the road, got some donor. Uh, and as we, as we sat down, I had noticed a figure uh, about 20 or so yards away outside a kiosk drinking a, drinking a beer wearing a cutter. And I thought, oh, that, that must be Tankvart. And, and it was. And he saw me looking at him. Uh, and I was trying not to trying not to stare. But if you don't know who Tankvart is, then you, you, you better start uh, watching some YouTube videos. So yeah. there was, a, there was a, a film, I don't know, maybe... maybe uh, you weren't so aware of Tankvart before this podcast started, George. But... Well, I, I've since discovered that he's 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 a a Borkham legend, and he's also a lot of that. He seems to be some of a TikTok superstar as well. Um, yeah, he's a him and a him and a, a character called Falfal Jesus um, seem to be like the two best known um, Schalke super fans, um, which is. Sorry, Bochum, yeah, sorry. Um, which is, um, yeah, the, I can only describe them as, yeah, ab- ab- absolute characters. So, yeah, what, what, what was it like seeing, seeing one of them in, in, in flesh? It was, it was, it, it was honestly, because I, I, it had been the build up, like I'd been showing Peter and Ross these videos, I think, for that. I was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to see him. Oh, I can't wait to see him. Uh, not actually thinking that he would. If anything, I thought I would see Val Phil Jesus with his, uh, light-coloured hair from a distance. But, um, if anyone doesn't know, there was a, a film made a few years ago, four or five years ago, called Porto Reganale, which covered, from what I know, I mean, I, I can't really understand the clubs because they're all German, but there's a lot of clubs on YouTube in the film and it just seemed to, I think it covered Bochum fans over a, over the course of a season and featured prominently were um, Tankvar and Balfour Jesus. And, yeah, from hearing Tankvart speaking in these videos, it seems like even as a fluent German speaker, you probably couldn't understand him because he's got such a, a croaky voice. Just seems like a total old school character that you'd expect in these like brewer, brewer pot grounds. Yeah, there's a there's actually a Hansa Rostock comp- um, um, equivalent. No, sorry, not Hans Rostock. A Holstein Kiel equivalent to one of these characters that's like sixty old bloke. He's dead now, actually. Um, but um, this was like in the nineties. Um, this like almost um, yeah, impossible to understand. I mean, Tangvar isn't actually that hard to understand. Um, but so Tangvar and Falfa Jesus appeared to me to be as a, a basically a comedy double act. Uh, sort of, <laughs> they're, they're essentially ca- caricatures uh, of like Germans in like the nineteen seventies, except for they're actually mo- modern day real people. Um, that, so like you said I hadn't actually heard of them before um, Connor started explaining to me, uh, telling me about them before we started recording uh, and the first video I was like I'll click on a random video of these two just so I kind of get uh, context for Colin's upcoming story 
Is it right? Here's a video of um of, of tank fart kind of um how you describe this? Yeah, mouthing off essentially about how Falfoy is, is is late to meet him, and I'm like, uh, and then Colin starts telling me a story, and he says, yeah, so he was stood he was stood next to a kiosk, and uh, blah, blah blah, and essentially Colin's described exactly where he stood in this same video from October 2020. So I can only assume that he probably have the same match day routine for the past 150 years or so, um, because he's he's stood yeah in front of this pole. What looks like in front of some stairs, then outside the sign that says Barnhof. Um, so yes, yeah, so he, he like wears his like cap like sideways sometimes with a t-shirt with his own face on it that says. <laughs> um, he's. I, I can only. I think people. Yeah, you just got to look him up. I think basically. Tank for T. If you don't know T A N K W A R T and. You'll, you'll go down a, a rabbit hole. I, I showed I showed Peter a video of him, like, say about last week, when we were like, sort of building ourselves up to the trip. Peter came round and I showed him videos. I showed him a tank of that video. And I said, I feel like I've, he said, I feel like I've met that guy in Scotland before. Because it feels like every every football club, every football club down the country probably has one of these, like, old timers that's been going to games for about 40 years, stinking of fags, stinking of beer. And I feel like, Tankvart must be the Tankvart's the um, the version of that of Bochum and Balfour is just I mean I don't think I've seen anyone like that before. He's, he just looks like a character. Yeah. That like sort of blonde hair but sixty year old face. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the 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 film um Porto Originale is the one you're talking about, is actually very it's been very well received um by the by by the internet. Um uh, his his name is um his name is um, uh, Micha von Gerrit, by the way, if anyone wants to. It's, it's a name he, he's given to himself from his old days as a, as a party animal, apparently. Um, yeah, so if anyone wants to uh, wants to see the film, what did I, what did I just say it's called? Um, Porto Reginale. Yeah, Porto Reginale. Then it seems like it, it's not, it, it seems like it's a, a, a good uh, yeah, a good film with a good cult following around around Fort Falfa, Bochum and, and, and whatnot. But um, after that, I mean, Boch, the, the Ruhrstadion is a stadium that a lot of people talk about um, because it's got it's quite iconic um, uh, floodlights. Um, it's like super close to the pitch. I remember um, the... Uh, um, what is the word in English? The like fan liaison officer. That's even a what like the per the fan mm. person deals with the fans from the club. Um, I'm not even sure is that even a role that they have in English? supporter liaison officer. Liaison or something. Yeah. Um. Um. Marcel, his name was. He was telling me that at Bochum. Um. You're never no matter where you are in the stadium. You're never more than like 18 meters away from the pitch. Um, it's like you're like super super close to the pitch and it's not that high up as well um, and yeah like, like, there's there's not like staggered seating or anything that's all like all just goes pretty much that's all that went to yeah. yeah I mean like we were we were in the back row yeah or at and, least or at least the, the furthest back row where we were because behind, directly behind us was the TV camera behind the net mm. um, and I mean even in the back even in the furthest back row at that point you're still you still get really close view of the pitch for that end. So 
Yeah, I can so, understand. So obviously, if we, uh, we we dare go into talking about the football uh, once more, um, for, for probably the, for the first and, and, and last time this year. Um, Bochum obviously came into this game with no points, um, rock bottom of the Bundesliga. Um, obviously, last year they actually built built themselves in quite quite a solid defence. Um, Weeman was one of the best keepers in the Bundesliga. He's actually kind of looking to be replaced right, right now. Um, um, but um, he obviously didn't start, start well for... Um, sorry, it, they, they got off to a, a great start. That's what I mean. Well, didn't manage to find the net themselves, but, but, but um, an own goal um, from Schmitz. And then, yeah, it kind of managed to hold out um, right until the, the 88th minute with minor um, leveling for Cone. Um, you know, it just felt a very much to me. I kind of mentioned to, to this to you earlier. It might have been because I was slightly hungover, but it very much seemed to me like a Sunday game. Like, <laughs> you kind of know what I mean. Like, it's kind of mm. not the best in terms of quality. And then a goal early on, a goal late on. Um, and then. Yeah, just like kind of obviously massive disappointment for Bochum. Uh, as decent of a team, Colnar, you'd expect them to they'd be looking to. Well, last season they probably would definitely be looking to to beat Colnar home. Um, how, how did you actually see, see see the game itself? I mean, like just after like disbelief when they conceded that 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 goal um, late on, despite kind of playing quite well. I mean, they were they were pretty rancid the week before um against Schalke um who are obviously worst team in Cone. Um so yeah how 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 did you how did you see the actual the actual game itself? Yeah I'm pretty surprised that Bochum took the lead but it was a it was a really well worked goal like the way they, they um, worked together and got the ball out to Holtman on the left hand side and obviously he's got really good pace so uh, to get to the touchline and cross them and the own goal, but aside from that, they never really. Yeah, it was a funny own goal. Yeah, yeah, it was funny, funny one to witness in person. But <laughs> you did, you did get, you did get the impression that that was probably the only way they could score because they didn't really threaten. I think I feel like Philip Hoffman, who's still waiting on his first Bochum League goal, hit the post. That was really the only time they threatened. As, it, as the game went on, you realised, yeah, they're quite lucky that they Schmidt scored that goal for them because I don't think they would have scored otherwise. And it, it seemed like they didn't really have any attacking ideas on the break. Um, they're just really wasting time in the second half. And the last 20 minutes was all cool pressure. Riemann made a couple of good saves. Uh, a, a brilliant, brilliant save. Basically, Linton Minor would the ball get played, flashed across him on the, the back post and Riemann somehow managed to save his header. Ended up being offside anyway, but brilliant save. And then Cullen had the post. And you're just thinking it's only a matter of time. And then they eventually eventually got it. Linton Minor, who was one of the... I'd said to the others on the Thursday night, I thought, well, he looks like a really good, exciting player. I was, I was aware of him from Hanover. You're not always aware of how well these players are going to step up from the second tier, but he's he looked he looked good and he, he 
was a part of changing the game when it came on um, on Sunday. And they got the goal and they could have easily got the winner as well. Saldo had that chance. He was basically underneath the bar and had it over the bar. Yeah, it was absolute, absolute sitter. Final whistle went and I think both players, both sets of players looked pretty disappointed. Uh, Cullen probably think that's the kind of game they should be winning. And both of them, considering they hadn't had a point, they had so many chances in the second half that they could have taken, especially that one at the end. But both of them especially, they, they all just slumped to the ground because there was a game that a couple of minutes to go they, they let they let slip. But to be honest, I don't, they couldn't have, if they'd lost the game, they couldn't have argued because I just don't see, the, don't see the quality there, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the only player with kind of any real quality that I see in Bochum is Kevin Stürger, um, who I actually think should be... Um, yeah, I mean, Bochum are going to get relegated, um, but I, I see Kevin Stürger probably staying speaking in. Of, speaking of Stürger, he was getting a, a fair... A fair hostile reception from the Cullen fans when he was taking a corner down to that, <laughs> down where the away end was. Former Fortuna player, obviously. But yeah, yeah. Um, some, I mean, it takes all the set pieces. Some of his set pieces are hard mass, but I think he, he probably has one of the few players with actual technical ability. Yeah, I mean, last week against Schalke, he was actually unbelievable. He was like like an 8, 9 out of 10, despite um, the mm. issue was that all of his fellow players were like, like a minus 4 out of 10. Um, so they lost that game, um, but um, yeah, Bochum, Bochum are going down, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I mean, the next the next few games they've got Leipzig, Frankfurt, uh, Stuttgart, I think. Um, but like, I mean, it's not looking good. Um, they like said Hoffman, he kind of just looks just a bit like. It's like big and bundly when he's mm-hmm. kind of like obviously a good second second division striker. Um but obviously he's kind of struggled since 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 coming to the Bundesliga. Um you're he's, seeing- not, he's not a player you want on the, he's not a player you want on the break if you're like backs to the wall trying to get a second goal on the break. You yeah. saw Hoffman dribbling it with the thirty yards out, you know he doesn't have the pace. Yeah. Just, and then I mean, shot. Holtman is obviously a very, very, very talented, very, very skillful player, um, and Simon Zola as well himself is not, 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 not. I'd say he's a lower Bundesliga quality player, but um, yeah, the, you, you need someone who's going to like bang in like ten, fifteen goals if you're going to be as bad as Bochum are, or as they were last season, have a outstanding keeper. Um, which I mean, the keeper hasn't changed, but he's been. Um, very, very, very ordinary. Um, I thought he did play well in the game on Saturday, uh, Sunday. Yeah, Aside yeah. from there's that point he had, a, he just towards the end he, he kicked it out for a throw, a, a terrible kick. That was the only time I noticed a, a mistake. Yeah, yeah, he was quite solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Is it, yeah, in, 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 in general, he's uh, yeah, not 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 at the best start of the season. Um, but yeah. Unfortunate for Bochum if they if they can't get out of this rut, but uh, because yeah they do represent a very very uh, historic club um, in yeah in the northwest of Germany, um, a, like I said a historic stadium. So if we if we rate the stadium and it's and it's uh, and it's famous um, floodlights, what what are we giving it? 
Oh, the stadium. The stadium, I would give a... And, and thought of the stadium. Um, nine. I, I really liked it. Oh, bloody hell. Location, location, everything about it. I think the only point, not the stadium's fault, um, it probably wasn't the most enjoyable experience because of all the rain. It was a non-stop rain the entire day. I know I keep talking about the weather, but mm. it has to be said, like, yeah, it does certainly take away because you know you you can picture yourself like standing outside the ground, like yeah, having a beer or something. But you're yeah. you're all ever standing under cover. I don't know if you've seen pictures outside of the ground that the, the behind the main stand. I think it is. Um, there, it's sort of a set like a, a tunnel. Like all the fans can stand underneath and they're under cover. Mm-hmm. Um, next to where the, the main the players' entrances, uh, sort of standing there. But from the outside, it, it it definitely looks old school. Like it's quite grey, concrete. But the floodlights are iconic, and you can see them as you're approaching the stadium, which I've talked about before. It's a big, a big plus point when you're you're walking to the ground. You see the the floodlights as you're approaching, um, and there's there's also a U van stop directly next to the ground as well, which is mm. handy. So there's the option of both. There's the option of walking, which we did. We walked both ways there and back. But there's the option of the U van as well, right back to the Hauptbahnhof, which I mean I'm guessing is only one or two stops away. Yeah, yeah no, it's just so that, not far away. That's brilliant. So um, so, so um, you saw Jody Ossie Tutu come on as well, um, formerly of Arsenal, of course. Yes. yes. Yeah, um, spectacularly underwhelming as as he normally is, um, and uh, atmosphere. Atmosphere is brilliant. Like I, I would say that we were so close to the away end. I don't know if you saw from photos that like, like my my seat was directly next to the segregation fence. So uh, yeah, yeah, I was looking through and just seeing Cullen fans. So in a way, they I heard them more than I heard the Bolton fans. The Bolton fans were. Slightly drowned out. I think they were still. I think they were still loud, but you probably didn't get the best impression of what the atmosphere was like. Yeah, because uh, it was so far away and I was so close to the Cone fans. I mean, there's three thousand Cone fans. Uh, a lot of the fans around me in the home end were away fans themselves. Um, so I mean, there's the iconic Bochum hymn, which I mean, that that was loud. All the fans with their scarves up. The away fans with constant chatting throughout. Despite, I mean, they were behind the, the vast majority of the game, but they were still so loud, like host, hostile at times as well, with like Stuga hitting the corner, which, which always adds a bit, always adds a bit to the atmosphere, and a wee bit of, a wee bit of uh, teasing of the home fans at the end, singing them, um, was it try to league and Boca Mistarook, uh, <laughs> like Absteiger, Absteiger is. Uh, the Bochum fans were doing the Bochum players were doing their lap of honour and like me man sort of just like dismissed them. <laughs> I, yeah. I was quite it was quite funny. But in terms of I mean in the the roar the roar when they scored the late equaliser, that was yeah. one of the loudest away roars I think I've heard in Germany. Probably helps being right next to them. Um, so yeah. I'd give the atmosphere a good a good nine. Wow. It was possibly so possibly it... ten. Wow, so we're doing, we're, we're, yeah. If this was um, Darcy Bustle, would be a would be about about to be revealed, revealing a ten here. If this was a if this was me, <laughs> but um, I have one more question before we move on to the food and drink ra- ranking. Which, seeing how it's gone so far, I can only imagine being eleven. Um, 
two questions actually. Jan Thielmann was playing. Um, obviously, he is still nominated for the Golden Boy, which um, obviously they cut the list down on a kind of monthly kind of monthly basis. Um, Jan Thielmann is still uh, on the, the pretty short list now. Obviously, they scratched um, Yusuf Makuku off, for example. Um, is a, a, a performance on the weekend that warrants being um, considered one of the top like twenty five young players in the world? No, my main memory <laughs> of Jan Thielmann. My main my main memory of Jan Thielmann was him crossing crossing the ball out of play, <laughs> yeah. and the, the cool fan in their own front just like sort of <laughs> uh, throwing his arms in the air. So I would say no to that one. Yeah, harsh, harsh. I mean, you see, weirdly, I just, just, uh, just while I'm talking about angry Cone fans, one of the Cone fans and a few rows in front of me is the as the Cone players walked over to the away end to applaud them was like giving them the middle finger as if they, they should be like, in disgrace. That was that was quite strange to be honest. Yeah, considering how much we've talked about how they're like playing above the, the actual level of their squad. I mean, they've just won in Europe. They're yeah. in the top table, in the top half of the league. It was a weird reaction, but the, the majority of them were. Um, the majority of the fans were giving them a, a, a good reception at the end, at least. That, that, that's good. That's good. Um, second question: Was there a, what was the atmosphere? Obviously, first game in charge after Thomas Rice was left or been sacked. Um, mm. Seemed quite supportive. Um, at the end, they got, they were clapped. They, I mean, they played the club anthem. The ultras were having a, had their scars up, so and were singing that. So it seemed to be a bit of a defying atmosphere. I would say uh, I, I didn't really hear the, the home fans getting on the getting the players' backs or anything. So yeah. it seemed like I mean, I've seen a lot on social media, like been following that that. They're not too happy with I think this is sporting director at the moment. Mm. Um but you couldn't really get an indication of that during the actual game. One thing I might add, um apparently I saw this on Twitter, apparently there was meant to be a, a big choreo covering the Ostkova, the Ostribuna at Bochum, which as I saw it was like took four or five months to to complete, cost about ten thousand euros. And apparently, on the day the fire the, the fire uh, department told them that it was a safety risk, and they took it away because they did see it would have gone on the ground. Stewards taking down this banner, I just thought that was that was a bit strange. So and I saw that after the game, so that it was meant to be a a, a banner that caught, covered the the whole east end, and it, that didn't happen unfortunately. I, this is you know this is really funny, right? Because um, obviously. So you said that it was the fire department that told them they couldn't do it. According to that, according to the tweet, I saw it. Yeah, it was the, the fire department. Because um, obviously before the game, I saw it was, there was like a, a lot of red pyro um, from Bochum. Um, the, mm. Which, I, before you said that, I thought was ironic in itself that there was um, a massive pyro because underneath the pyro um, in the middle was a banner that basically said... And you see ultras do this a lot, and I'm, I'm not saying I don't know why, but it's 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 kind of disproportionately common among ultras. They like to always like thank the the, like, the fire service. So there was a banner. I don't know if you've read this or saw it or could you like translate it, 
but there was a banner underneath the pyro that said thanks for you do blah 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 which I thought was ironic enough having like lit uh, like flammable items above it, which is makes it even kind of more ironic that that was yeah in in, in lieu of uh, uh, another item that was considered too flammable by 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 the fire safety people, which is quite funny. Um, hey, how interesting. Um, so, how about the how about the food and drink? Oh, um, so. I, I, well, we often hear about uh, Derek Ray championing, championing the currywurst, uh, so I, I decided to sample it. Uh, so it, it was it was good. It was probably quite expensive compared to what you get. I think it was about four euros or something for just currywurst. Um, and the, the amount of sausage you got wasn't brilliant, but the, the quality of it was really good. It was it was really spicy, like. Usually you have currywurst at German Crowns and it's pretty mild, but it was like properly, properly spicy in it, which went quite well with the, the pint of Moritz Figa pills that you, that's served in Bochum. That's another bonus. Uh, the local beer, Figa, is served. Uh, I imagine, imagine Tankvart enjoys a few of them on a, on a match day after after getting his fill at the, the kiosk. Um, so... The, the quality of the options on display, the, the quality of the options were, were good, but there probably wasn't, in terms of the price, not the volume of currywurst I would have wanted, and probably not the choice either, because I think you could only get currywurst and bratwurst, and no no plumbers again. Maybe that's just a Bochum and Vattenshite thing. You know, it was technically, technically in the same city. They're a, the anti-plumbers, the, the anti-plumbers city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking. It occurred to me now that we're like the um, we're like the we're like the meat eating pair. Um, yeah. the, the two of us, obviously, Roy and uh, Roy and Robert, being um, yeah, um, staunch veggies. So they would be difficult for them. I'd have had their company during this trip. To get to give a to give a rating, I would probably go with eight. If it, it would have it, the term the quality was brilliant, but more choice and yeah. a bit cheaper would have probably pushed it up. Because I, I think I think to buy to buy a beer and currywurst would ended up being about ten euros or something. Yeah, yeah, that's that that that's not exactly what you look for. But I think that so you so am I right in thinking that with are we on a nine nine and eight or a ten nine and an eight in terms of the ratings? I can't remember that's point. 10. What did I give? 10? Did you give the stadium a 10? Oh, right. Or oh, from Bochum, right. Or, uh, yeah, stadium. Stadium, I gave a, did I? A 10. I can't remember at this point. This podcast has gone on for so long today. It's quite bold of you to assume that people are still listening. <laughs> <laughs> we probably switched off after the double way. probably switched off after hearing about Tag Button for a few years. For 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but my point is, I think this has been this is the highest rating we've had, had on the podcast. We should have. We should. Just have, realize I don't think I've rated. I don't think I've rated the games in the last two. Oh, um, uh, it's all just it's all, it's all just an absolute mess. I was going to say we should have that thing that they used to have on Top Gear, um, where they like put like the magnetic like time of the, like, the, the lap time that celebrities did when they went around the, 
the boards. But that's assuming they, if this was Top Gear, they'd all be going down, going around a completely different course, given the fact that we're not raping the same things the whole time. Um, but that's that's the GFP way. Let's just, we can say that Pochum would be near the top. They'd be they'd be near oh, yeah. the Yeah, they'd be Champions League. See if it wasn't. See if it wasn't rainy. Yeah, I honestly think it would. Like, it would have been one of the best best experiences. But I, I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd definitely like to return. In terms of, I don't know how it works. I might end up contradicting myself in terms of um, ratings, but I would say the best experience was probably the first game particularly because of how good a game it was. I'd have been at my first European game. But the 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 other the other the other two Bundesliga games were, were brilliant as well. But the probably the, the main disappointment was Batenshide because of how poor the team were. But I still enjoyed that. Just a brilliant weekend in general and I wouldn't definitely wouldn't change much. Maybe Val Fulies is turning up outside the kiosk as well, but he probably wasn't on time. Yeah, well, that really would have been like the coming of Jesus, eh? Um, <laughs> well, now, on that note, I mean, we're all delighted to, to hear that you had, a, you had a good weekend in Germany, Colin, after um, somewhat of a hiatus. Um, I believe your last trip to Germany was in April? When you came yeah. to May? May. After that, yeah. Um, yeah, so a hiatus, but 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 you're back on the continent, um, but back in uh, back in D land, um, doing what we do, love, doing what we love the most, and seeing seeing the, the fruits of uh, what German football has to offer. Um, I have a feeling that by the time you've got to this point, we will have decided that we're going to cut this podcast into two episodes. So thanks for listening to the second episode, um, and yeah, we'll see you next time with hopefully some more. Uh, some more good German football stories to tell you. Alan Beginelli, meine Damen und Herren.